This episode of the OrthoBullets podcast will go over the topic of tibiotalar impingement from the foot and ankle section on orthobullets.com. Tibiotalar impingement is most often caused by osteophyte impingement in the anterior tibiotalar joint. It can also be caused by excessive anterolateral soft tissues or posterior soft tissue or osseous abnormalities. As far as the epidemiology of tibiotalar impingement, it's common in athletes who play on turf or on grass, including rugby, football, dancers, or soccer. The mechanism of tibiotalar impingement involves repetitive overuse injuries, trauma, and or degenerative sequelae. As far as the presentation of tibiotalar impingement, patients typically have symptoms of pain in the anterior ankle. Physical exam may reveal pain with forced dorsiflexion, limited dorsiflexion, soft tissue swelling and effusion may be evident, but you will find that the subtalar joint is pain-free. As far as imaging, recommended views on radiographs include an AP, lateral, and oblique. Findings may include spurs seen in the anterior distal tibia or dorsal aspect of the talus, and oblique views are beneficial in revealing anteromedial talar spurs. A CT can delineate the extent of the bony osteophytes, and an MRI shows spurring and fluid in the joint. Treatment of tibiotalar impingement can be non-operative or operative. Non-operative management includes therapy, lifestyle modifications and or NSAIDs, or corticosteroid injections. Therapy, lifestyle modifications, and NSAIDs are the first line of treatment, and corticosteroid injections may help with soft tissue impingement and synovitis-related pain. Operative options include arthroscopic excision, which is indicated when non-operative modalities fail. As far as the surgical techniques for an arthroscopic excision, the patient will be placed in the supine position with an external traction device and the leg over a padded bump. Make sure to use a knife to only cut the skin and use a hemostat to spread to avoid neurovascular injury while making the portals. Ensure adequate field of view prior to burring or shaving the anterior distal tibia to avoid iatrogenic dorsal neurovascular bundle injury. Some complications to mention include superficial perineal nerve injury during anterolateral portal creation, saphenous vein injury during anteromedial portal creation, and dorsal neurovascular bundle injury during tibiotalar spur removal. Okay, so now that we've gone over the major points about this topic, let's go over a few questions to apply the information and get a sense of how this topic has been tested on past exams. The first question reads, A 23-year-old collegiate wrestler returns to your office complaining of persistent anterior ankle pain despite a course of physical therapy, NSAIDs, and bracing, which provided only minimal relief. On exam, ankle range of motion shows 10 degrees of dorsiflexion, which reproduces his pain. An MRI was taken one month prior, and the fluid-sensitive MR sequences show anterior capsular thickening and tibial osteophyte. What is the best next step in treatment? And the choices are 1. Arthroscopic ostrigonum excision, 2. Arthroscopic debridement, 3. Percutaneous Achilles repair, 4. Functional rehab emphasizing proprioceptive training, and 5. Arthroscopic loose body removal. The correct answer to this question is 2. Arthroscopic debridement. So this vignette is classic for anterior ankle impingement after exhausting non-operative modalities, and the treatment of choice for anterior ankle impingement in this setting is arthroscopic debridement. 
To quickly review, anterior ankle impingement is a common condition among athletes who engage in sports requiring maximum dorsiflexion or is played on a field surface. Though imaging will often show spurs of the tailor neck and anterior tibia, cadaveric studies showed these rarely come into contact. Rather, anterior synovial and capsular tissue impingement is the source of the pain. Anterior tenderness with painful and or limited dorsiflexion is commonly seen on exam. Additionally, lateral ankle instability and osteochondral lesions are often seen in conjunction with impingement and should be treated accordingly. Parma et al. evaluated a case series of eight patients with bony impingement treated with arthroscopic debridement. They noted that concomitant osteochondral defects, age, and previous ankle fractures fared worse on long-term follow-up, as compared to isolated tibial spurs, which did better. Based on this, they proposed a new classification scheme for anterior impingement. Tallison et al. thoroughly reviewed the management of anterior ankle impingement. They recommend a high suspicion for concomitant injuries, noting the high incidence of ankle instability, osteochondral lesions, and gastrocnemius contractures with impingement, and that surgery is reserved for those who have exhausted non-operative modalities. Moving on to the next question. A 27-year-old rugby player returns to clinic noting persistent ankle pain. He endorses a history of vague ankle issues, but none that required missed competition time. His pain is located anteriorly and worsens when in a crouched position. Exam shows point tenderness at the anterior joint line and passive dorsiflexion to 10 degrees reproduces his pain. What structure is unlikely to be a potential source of pain in this condition? And the choices are 1. Anterior inferior tibiofibular ligament 2. Tibial osteophyte 3. Accessory ossification near the posterolateral tailor process 4. Inflamed synovium and capsular tissues and five, tailor neck exostosis. The correct answer to this question is three, accessory ossification near the posterolateral tailor process. So this patient has anterior tibiotalar impingement, which can be caused by a number of different structures, but an ostrigonum is not a source of pain in anterior impingement. To quickly review once again, anterior tibiotalar impingement was first described as footballer's ankle, given the high incidence seen in soccer players. It is also common among ballet dancers, rugby players, and wrestlers. Anterior impingement can be further subdivided into anterolateral and anteromedial impingement. Anteromedial impingement is often due to intraarticular exostoses of the anterior tibia and tailor neck that impinge the interposed synovium and capsular tissues, leading to chronic inflammatory changes. Anterolateral impingement may result from the anterior inferior tibiofibular ligament, or AITFL, catching on the talus, or may follow an anterior talofibular ligament, or ATFL sprain, or ATFL sprain, with fibrotic tissue in the anterolateral gutter. Physical therapy and anti-inflammatory medications are the mainstay of conservative treatment. However, if these fail, arthroscopic debridement is an effective alternative to open procedures. And moving on to the final question. The current body of available evidence supports the use of ankle arthroscopy for all of the following indications except, and the choices are 1, ankle arthrodesis, 2, debridement of diffuse degenerative ankle cartilage, 3, osteochondral lesions, 4, anterior ankle impingement, and 5, loose body removal. The correct answer to this question is 2, debridement of diffuse degenerative ankle cartilage. 
So ankle arthroscopy has evolving indications, but the reference study by Glazebrook et al. found fair evidence-based literature to support a recommendation for the use of ankle arthroscopy for the treatment of osteochondral lesions and for ankle arthrodesis. Arthroscopy is also indicated in anterior ankle impingement. Ankle arthroscopy for ankle instability, septic arthritis, arthrofibrosis, and removal of loose bodies was supported with only limited evidence. Treatment of ankle arthritis excluding isolated bony impingement was not effective and therefore this indication was not recommended. That's all for this review about tibiotalar impingement. Hopefully that was helpful. This is the OrthoBullets podcast, a daily audio review session by OrthoBullets, the free learning and collaboration community for orthopedic surgery education. Keep in mind that these podcasts are designed to go along with the topics on orthobullets.com, and in fact, you can listen to these episodes right on the OrthoBullets website while going through the topic. If you've gotten any value from the podcast so far, please consider leaving us a five-star rating and writing us a review on Apple Podcasts. It will help us spread the word and increase our discoverability tremendously. Thanks so much, and we'll see you all tomorrow. <laughs>